Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Understanding spirituality, it'll be the second part, what it means to be spiritual. Let's read in John chapter 16, verse number 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. What is interesting about when we when I was doing this study about understanding what it means to be spiritual. Um, you know, the me generation, it is really all about me. Um, this idea of finding yourself became popular. We saw a rise in new age spiritualism in the 60s and then the 70s. Self-help and self-fulfillment then became a huge thing. And life really became nothing more than just being about you, the me generation. And it would play out in different ways, but one of them would be, you know, a Christian would never go to a Hindu temple. But they wouldn't have any problem going to a gym or a studio to learn yoga, which is their entrance into New Age spiritualism. And, you know, it's just the way those things go, the way that the deception works. And no Christian would put on their Facebook or I didn't even have it back, back then when we're talking when this movement started. But you wouldn't advertise that you're starting your journey on Hinduism. But that's exactly what that practice is. Um, and I say that just as an example, because. People say that the Holy Spirit guides them into something or the Holy Spirit told them something. But the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 always points to Jesus Christ as the Savior. It, when we see it and we read it, it says, um, he shall, uh, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. This is the words of Jesus Christ. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. If the spirit is leading you to do something, it is going to magnify or point to somehow to the Savior. When people say they have peace about it or the Holy Spirit gave them peace about it, that's not understanding spirituality according to the Bible. That's you had a feeling and you're trying to make it line up with the Bible verse. And Americans are pretty good at that. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ, God the Son, and God the Father, and those three are one. It always testifies in that manner. Look at John chapter 4. Let's go back there. Holy Spirit always glorifies the Savior, and I don't think... 
that I know better than the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure you don't think that either. So let's go to John 4, another familiar passage. Verse 23, uh, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, do you want to be a true worshiper? I do. Shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must. You know, the Bible says you must be born again. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Well, he gives the same word here. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit will always direct you to worship Jesus Christ. If something is directing you away from the Lord, it is not of the Holy Spirit. There's a spirit leading you, but it ain't the Holy One. <laughs> not. We, but we do need to worship God in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Um, because I want to be spiritual, don't you? Does it mean that we, you know, get, getting slain in the spirit where somebody falls down in an aisle or there's this big emotional commotion that happens and people are crying and wailing and falling backwards and, and all of that? Did we somehow summon the Holy Spirit? Or did we just work ourselves up into such an excitement that we made it a flesh fest? We need to think about these things. We don't want to just have truth. We want to have a good spirit behind that truth. A good example of that would be, you know, I use witnessing examples a lot. You know, you can tell somebody the way to get to heaven. But the spirit behind your attitude, the spirit behind where, 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 whence it's coming. Isn't of God. It isn't of the Holy Spirit. It's. Well, I don't know what you would call it. Is it the flesh? Is it an unclean spirit? What is it? Worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. We're going to look at this next. We need to yield not to us, but yield to God's spirit. And his spirit will always point to truth. Always point to the Savior. John 15. Go to the next one. John 15, 26. Bible says, but when the comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, here it is again, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. From the bare testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll do two more verses before we move on to our next point. Ephesians 5. Verse number 9. Uh, verse 8, we'll start at, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light, in the Lord, walk as children of light. Kind of makes sense, right? 
if you're in the Lord, walk it, <laughs> act like it. You're not in darkness anymore, so you're children of light. For the fruit, here it is, of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. If you had a pear tree in your backyard and it didn't bear any fruit, what would you say that tree would be to you? Worthless. We need to bear fruit as Christians so that we can be used by God for God to get the glory. We want. We want that goodness, righteousness and truth. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. Uh, Bible says first John chapter four. Let's start reading in verse one. Beloved, believe not every spirit. We talked about that a little bit in earlier examples. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We read earlier that God is a spirit. I've got news for you. The Bible teaches us there are other spirits. You ever get around somebody and think, man, is this something about the spirit behind what's going on here? We meet a lot of people, run into a lot of people, especially running public events. And sometimes you, you meet somebody and it's happened this weekend. I'm, that's what, man, there's just something going on there that I can't put my finger on. But there's just something not right with that person. And so it causes me to kind of step back. It should cause you to do the same thing. Don't believe everything that you hear. Don't trust everybody that you meet. I think Reagan said, believe, believe but verify. Now that's not in the Bible. That's not a Bible verse, but that's pretty good. That's a pretty good principle from the Bible. And I believe we can glean that from here. We need to try the spirits, whether they are of God. Well, they go to church. Yeah, but are they of God? They hang out with us. Yeah, but are they of God? Hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Where have you heard that it should come? And even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. There it is again. We saw verse 4, we see verse 6. He that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. error. Pretty simple, isn't it? Somebody doesn't testify that Jesus Christ is God, then they ain't of us. They're of the darkness. So we got to try spirits. Okay. We good? 
Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. What does it mean to be spiritual? Get an understanding of that in Romans 6 verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I know what it means to yield. It just means to surrender. It means to submit to. What I like about this verse is that there is a there's a positive and there's a negative right in it. There's a negative where you don't want to yield to unrighteousness unto sin. We see the word instrument. You know, an instrument can be used for a positive and a negative. What I want to draw out in verse 13 is that we've got one verse that illustrates a word that God says can be you can yield in a negative way or you can yield in a positive way. Somebody sits down at the piano. They can play uh, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and it can be a blessing. And God can get the praise and honor. That instrument could be used for righteousness, for holiness, for goodness. But you can also sit down at that instrument and it can be used for unrighteousness and unholiness. How can that be? It's just an instrument. It's nothing until somebody sits down to it and their heart is revealed through how they play and what they play. We want to yield ourselves in a positive way in verse number 13. Uh, members as instruments of righteousness unto God. If you want to be spiritual, which I trust that you do and I do, and you trust that I would. We would want to yield our bodies as instruments unto God. The negative yielding obvious right there would be. Unto it would be unrighteousness and it would be unto sin. Here's what I want us to do: encourage each each of us should be encouraging one another to not sin. Each of us should then be encouraging one another to yield ourselves to unto God to serve Him in righteousness. You know, Proverbs seven. We see a negative one with her much fair speech. She caused him to yield. That's a negative yielding. Oh, boy. The speech got the fellow to get all mixed up in unrighteousness with the flattering of her lips. She forced him. That's a negative example of yielding. Here's a positive right in Proverbs as well. The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. And that's our end goal as Christians. We want to be able to yield some fruit. Did you yield fruit this week? What came up? An argument? Or a resolution out of that argument? 
some back talk or some, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? I was wrong. You might have yielded to the negative, but did you yield to the positive as well? Okay. Romans, look at verse uh, uh, same chapter. Verse number 16. Know you not that to whom ye yield yourself servant to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. What does sin bring you? That'd be death. What does obedience bring you? Under righteousness. Look at verse number 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. We see the same thing in verse number 19. We've got a negative. And we got a positive. I'm going to hold that thought, but I want us to jump over to Romans chapter 12. Because in Romans chapter 6, we looked at three verses, verse 13, verse 16, verse 19. And we saw we have one of two choices in each of those verses. Instruments of unrighteousness or instruments of righteousness unto God. One of two choices. In verse number 16, we saw one of two choices. Sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. That was verse 16. Verse 19, we saw the same thing. One of two choices. Servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, or righteousness unto holiness. We've got two choices on the shelf. Serving God or serving self. Serve ourself. That's the me generation. That's the, I'm going to sin. I'm going to do what I want. Now watch Romans 12. I beseech you, verse 1, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What does it mean to present your body? The word to present, it's a, it comes, it's the root word of presentation. We've got some homeschool kids here today. Did you ever have to give an oral presentation? You have to stand up and you've got to talk with your mouth and you've got to present something. Have you? Well, you have when you came up here. And you took over the church, sir. You, oh, you have when you sang this morning. You presented something with your mouth, with your voice, oral. It's called an oral presentation. Did you ever make a project? Did you ever create something? Did you ever do a painting or create some art? Or did you ever make 
the greatest piece of woodworking art with your scroll saw ever. And you have it in your wood shop, or you give it to your grandchild, or you give it to a friend. It's a representation of what you love. It's a representation. It's a display. I want you to have this so you can display it. There's exhibitions. To present is to exhibit different types of arts and different types of things have these exhibitions where what you know is exhibited. God tells us in Romans chapter 12 to represent to put on display, to exhibit your body as a living sacrifice unto God. And he tells us that that is reasonable for you to do. This idea of being super spiritual has Nothing to do with you as an individual, but has everything to do with God as our Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior. And our lives being on display, being on an exhibit, being a representation of Jesus Christ. And God says, that's completely reasonable. And that's how we can live our lives spiritually. We have this wrong definition, not we, but people that declare their own righteousness or their own goodness. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Well, I said a prayer. Are you born again? Well, I walked an aisle. Are you right with God? If you were to die tonight, do you know where your soul would go? Well, I rededicated my life at youth camp. And we say these things as if they're spiritual, but we don't respond in a way that points to Jesus Christ as our Savior. What are you an instrument of? Are you obeying righteousness? Are you clean and are you holy? Well, yeah, I think because I well, see. There you go again with I. <laughs> you know, I'm not clean, but I trusted Jesus Christ and he made me clean. You know, I'm not right, but I trusted Jesus Christ and he gave me his righteousness. That's the, that's how we become spiritual. We get the spirit of truth in us by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. As our personal savior. Now look at Romans. Go back to Romans 6. I want to point out one more verse. In Romans chapter number 6. Before I get there. In Acts 16. At the end of it. The Philippian jailer is saying, 
What must I do to be saved? Paul is not trying, Silas is not trying to get these folks in jail to repeat a prayer. <laughs> they are saying, what must I do? I want what you have. There's a longing, there's a recognition of emptiness. There is a wrestling and an anguish of who they are as sinners. What must I do? Wouldn't it be great if all we did was preach about the righteousness of God, the wrath of God, the holiness of God. And we had sinners coming and hearing and raising their hand and coming up to the, to the prayer benches and saying, what must I do to be saved? Romans 6, 11, and I'll tie that in here in a minute. Likewise, uh, verse 10, we'll get a little bit more context for in that he died, he died unto sin once, and then that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You ever have a pet? You ever have a farm animal? You want that farm animal alive. If it's dead, it didn't do nothing for you. Except maybe providing some mulch or nutrients into the ground. Nothing. <laughs> but if that animal's alive, there's action, there's activity, there is life in that animal. Are you alive unto God? Is there some, or, or, or is it just your dead weight? You hear sometimes the saying, you got to pull your weight around here. That's the guy at work that doesn't want to work and say, hey, come on, you got to pull, you got to pull your weight around here. You don't want to be dead weight. Being alive, Romans chapter six, number 11, it denotes, first off, who were you alive to? Unto God, through who? Jesus Christ, who is what? Our Lord. Jesus Christ is God. That's pretty obvious in this verse. But that is who you are alive unto. That is where the action is occurring in your life. But you're so excited about something over here, so excited about something over here. We're, we're alive, all right. But we're alive unto other things. These other things get us away from God. We want to be alive unto God. You're alive unto him? Are you full-time for God? Or are you just alive? Well, I know I got a clock in here and then I clock out. Preachers say this sometimes. Well, I'm going to go full time pretty soon. I know what they mean, but aren't we supposed to be full time all the time? I didn't know full time, man. Okay, well, now we get to get paid. <laughs> like, 
what is and, and I get where I get where it's going, but whether you get paid or not paid, whether you're a preacher or not a preacher, whether you're a missionary or not a missionary, are you full time for God? Well, only preachers do that. No, they don't. Romans 12, verse 1 says, present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's not my service to get you to live for God. It's not your service to get me to live for God. You alive unto God. All right, let's go uh, Galatians 6. Galatians chapter 6. We got here. Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual. God wants you to be spiritual. Restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness. You don't hit him over the head with a two by four. You don't restore anybody that way. You don't run them over with verbal assaults. That's not going to restore anybody. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That means you might be strong, but you're able to have some control over it. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, for if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. A few things here. First off, restore means what? We're going to return to what was previously lost. We are going to bring back. Remember when we preached on the prodigal son? What was the heart of that father? The heart of that father was restoration. To be able, it was the, it, it's the act of bringing back and restoring. God created you. But there's separation because of sin. And what he wants to do is restore that relationship. It's the act and the art of bringing back. So that's what we see, number one. Uh, the, the other thing we said that God wants you to be spiritual and you know how you're spiritual in this verse not by thinking that oh I'm so great I got everything figured out not that, oh I'm so great I got I know more Bible than, than you know than this guy and I how does it say to be spiritual in Galatians chapter 6 just think of yourself as nothing <laughs> look at it for if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, the reality is you're nothing. The reality is I'm nothing. And if we think we're something, all we do is deceive ourselves. We're not spiritual in the least bit. We need to think of ourselves in the reality of who we are. Nothing. No work. Except the value and merit. Of Jesus Christ. And then we could be spiritual. But I thought spiritual was. No. It isn't. Just think of yourself. And I'll think of myself. And we'll all think of ourselves as nobodies. 
And if you think of yourself as a nobody, you'll be able to serve anybody. And if I think of myself as a nothing, I'll be able to serve anybody. Because I won't get on my high horse. You won't get on your high horse. And we all just can get as low as we can get. And we still won't be low enough because Jesus Christ should be exalted so much that we can't even exhaust that as a sermon application. How great is God? And I say, and we go around the room and I say, go. How great is God? All right, go. How great is God? All right, how great is God? And by the time we go around the hundredth time, we aren't going to scratch the surface of the glory of God. But if I said, how can you be just nothing? How can you think of yourself as nothing? It won't be a 10 minutes until we got to get off of that thought because we, we have to fight, all of us, myself included, we have to fight notching ourselves down. But that is the biblical application of being spiritual. If you want to restore somebody in the spirit of meekness, some practical application, how do we do that as a church? Well, one, the simplest reason is we need to talk about things. If there's an issue, talk to somebody calmly. If you want to restore somebody with a, a spirit of meekness, <clears throat> if there's an issue going on. The communication has to be clear. There can't be mixed signals going back and forth. Nobody knows what in the world anybody's talking about. So we want to have clear communication. We talked about this, but we have to be able to live. Verse number two, bear ye one another's burdens. Well, I got my own problems. Okay, well, that's your problem. You can't bear anybody else's burden. And so fulfill the law of Christ. I know everybody should pull their own weight, but there comes a time where if restoration is necessary in the context here, in the spirit of meekness, you have to be able to bear ye one another's burdens. You got to be able to live verse two if you want to be spiritual. Verse number three, or if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. We already talked about that. You got to be able to live verse three as well. And that's how you be able to restore somebody. Two more verses and we're done. Let's get Proverbs 4 and Isaiah 43. Proverbs 4 and Isaiah 43. Bible says in verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Kelly did a lesson on this this morning, uh, and he said that he brought out this idea of the heart as the center of who we are. It's, your mouth says something because your heart was in your heart, and that's why it came out. He did a whole lesson on it. It's very good. That's why it's so important to keep our heart with all diligence because 
like the verse says, out of it are the issues of life. It's going to come out. But, I'm sorry, put away, verse 24, from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. And verse 25, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Do you know why? Because if your eyes aren't on God, if your eyes aren't on holiness and righteousness and being an instrument to use by God, you're going to get off track. If your eyes aren't straight on, you're going to go left, you're going to go right, you're going to get all messed up into some type of distraction. Keep your eyes on God. You want to be spiritual? Put your hand up if you want to be spiritual. More spiritual unto God. We all do. We all do. Last is Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 18. Remember ye not the former thing. If you want to be spiritual, if you want to have a spirit of restoration, you got to forget about things. Yeah, but he said, you got to forget about it. Yeah, but she said, you got to forget about it. But you don't know. Oh, I know. People have said things to me. But you have to forget about it. Neither consider the things of old. Christians are called to advance forward, not to keep walking backwards and jumping into the, the past pool of mess. Behold, I will do a new thing. Man, if families can get a hold of that. I know Monday was miserable. I know Tuesday was terrible. But Wednesday, it's wonderful Wednesday. It's the next day. We can do something different. We can, we can do something new. We don't have to do what we did the former thing. We don't have to consider the things of old. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. It don't matter where you are. God's going to make a way. Is that practical enough? I'm in the wilderness life. I'm in a desert life. Look, God will make a way. We can yield ourselves in a positive way. To obedience unto God and the righteousness. Our bodies as a living sacrifice. Instruments to be used by him. We can really get a hold of what it means biblically to be spiritual. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.